Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning back into the Drugs and Stuff podcast today. Dave and I discuss, is Primobolin safer than other steroids? What about Primo versus Mass? What about a high-dose Primo versus a tiny dose of Tren or Ment? Plus, I've got some fun steroid trivia, and of course, we answer all your listener questions. If you guys want to take part in the next show, then comment below. We will take your questions then, plus comments and likes and all that stuff. It helps to boost us in the algorithm. This week, the Rich Piana insulin loading protocol that he used for Expos, would it be a good idea to do that going into a contest? Is Sustanon okay to use in a cut with Tren and Mast? We have a guy worried about side effects starting TRT, cycling at higher body fats, plus a bunch more. I've got timestamps below if you want to skip around. And hey, if you're new here, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell. We've got several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week featuring IFBB pros, experienced coaches, and educators in our industry. We're all here to help you do better at this sport that we love and have fun in the process. All right, guys, let's get to Dave. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You could use our code THINK for additional savings. Let me know if you have any questions. They have got high-quality health and performance supplements. For those of you in the U.K., and get your lab work done by good old Dave. You can go to his house, just knock on his door, tell him, hey, I need some labs. Actually, you can go to evalbloodanalysis.com. You can get your labs done by Dave. And you're going to need some health supplements while you're in the UK. If you're watching this show, there's a good chance that you're running a little bit of gear. So head over to Strom Sports Nutrition. They'll hook you up with everything you need. If you are in Canada, go to supplementsource.ca. Crazy blowout deals. Check out their website because everything changes week to week. David, how you doing? What is a blowout deal? That's a very American term. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I mean, I know, it, I know it means it's cheap, but where does the blowout bit come from? That's what I mean. How about this? We're slashing supplementsource.ca is slashing prices. You like that? That's, that's actually for the time of year, Halloween approaching. That, that's probably a good good angle to take there, Scott. <laughs> That could be. That's not bad at all. So we've got a bunch of stuff going on today, guys. First of all, I want to say thank you to everybody for watching the last episode with our with with Dave's friend Will, the anabolic scientist. Uh, that was a good show, and you guys had a lot of great feedback. We appreciate that because all your feedback, your comments, all that stuff helps to boost our programming and the algorithm. And if you have not subscribed to our content, let me encourage you to because we've got several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week, including this one with Dave. You can visit Dave every Monday here at Think Big. So be sure to subscribe and hit the bell. Uh, but today we've got a bunch of stuff going on. We're going to discuss a, a, a topic that came up on blood, sweat and gear. And that is, uh, is Primo a healthier, and I'm using my hand in air quotes, healthier steroid uh, than, uh, than, than Masteron. I thought that was Interesting. I thought we could dig into that a little bit more. Um, I also had a, a, a Dorian Yates trivia question for you. And of course, we've got all your listener questions. So feel free to comment on this episode with your questions. We shall tackle them on the next show. Dave, I wanted to start this out with trivia. Here's the deal. Dorian Yates did an interview uh, with the Dennis the Menace podcast. And he had said what his favorite steroid was of all time of all time what would you guess that steroid was i'm gonna give you three tries can i phone a friend 
No, no phone a friend. Because I can phone Ken Book and ask him what he used to sell him and find out what he was. <laughs> um, I haven't got a clue. You haven't got a Scooby, as we no, would say I in mean, the UK. But- Part of me sort of thinks it might be really old school, like Decker or something like that, you know, or, or just Test. Hmm. Um, but then it could be particularly obscure. Um, Think about Dorian. Is Dorian an obscure guy? Would Dorian be creating like complex cycles? No, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have said so. I, 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 Dorian was. Dorian, to me, and I, I might be completely wrong on this because I must admit he's well. To be honest, I don't know much about any real pro bodybuilders unless I actually physically know them. Yeah. Um, but he always struck me as a back to basics sort of guy, but just hard. Yeah. You know, believed in proper hard training. Didn't have fancy diets. It, when he was dieting for comps, it was like he'll just eat what he needed to eat to achieve the goal. And it was as simple as that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm sort of on a, like a Sustan Decker tip here, even maybe Debo. Um, All right, well, proper, throw one out proper. there. What's your first guess? Decker. That's what Chase Iron said too. He said Dorian said Decker. Final answer. Um, but he also says Primo is the true nectar of the gods. So I feel like he's giving himself an out. You're going with Decker. If I were to tell you you were wrong, that you were incorrect, Dave, and I know you don't like hearing that, what would be no, your fine. what would be your second guess? We give do you I one more any, try. Do I get any direction towards like I'm close in my chain of thought, or I'm a million mm, miles away? I, I don't want to. I don't want to because I don't want to give it away. You're horrible. <laughs> you said that before. Thank you. I don't like you. One last try. And then we're going to go from there. Uh, I haven't got a fucking clue, so I'm just going to go masked. You suck. Okay. You were closer to begin with. Uh, here's here's the actual quote. He said, I had an emotional uh, contact with that. Deanna Ball. For me, that was the best steroid I ever took. During the off season. it was my favorite. If I had to choose one single fucking thing... That would be it. It's the best single steroid you can take. Dorian Yates. Well, I did say it. I did you say did. it was on that, that. I thought it would be on that old school tip. But, yeah. yeah. D-ball, huh? I see. I wouldn't have guessed D-ball. But damn, man, I can tell you what. D-ball is a freaking hell of a drug. <laughs> there is that. No, it's. You know, this old lore about old school stacks being Sustecker and Debo isn't because it was the only shit they could get hold of because Parabolin's been around since the 70s. It was because it fucking worked. You know, that's why they did it. Yeah. And steroid use from the 60s and 70s and early 80s wasn't really science-driven. It was experience and results-driven. Yeah. You know, you did what other guys did because they sh- had done it and it worked for them and it worked for people consistently and that's how they got their reputations. Absolutely. We did have some other uh, answers. Jamie thought it might have been test suspension. Now, Steve, on the other hand, he actually either uh, heard this or, or he watched the podcast, but he knew it was D-ball. 
Uh, and then he did add too that uh, it was his first cycle. And he said, uh, Dorian said his first cycle was 15 milligrams of D-ball. He put on 20 pounds in six weeks. Now, my first cycle was 15 milligrams of D-ball. They were the Napasin little little five milligram D-balls. And I probably put on a good 20 pounds too. And I probably kept about half of that. That was it. Just the 15 milligrams of D-ball. Those are good, man. That was uh, the good old days. But yeah, first cycle, that's another thing, man. Whatever your first cycle is, is going to be like outstanding, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Dorian, love him or hate him, was uh, was definitely a very unique individual in several ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say the downfall for me with D-Ball is that anymore, if I were to use it, it destroys my appetite real quick. Like within the first week, I love the pumps, I'm feeling great. And then before you know it, it's like, I can't eat anymore. And if you can't eat, then you're definitely not going to grow, right? I agree, yes. And we've said that several times that it doesn't matter what drugs you take. If you can't put the fuel in that makes you go, it ain't happening. Yeah. So uh, this is a topic, and we did touch on this previously, but the idea of the question was Primo, is it healthier, healthier? I love the idea of like, let's take some healthy steroids. Is it healthier than Masteron? Um, you know, there's this, this huge push now that everybody is doing their cycles with a DHT compound, uh, so that they can avoid using an AI. Primo's right up at the top of the charts. I'd say, in fact, I talked to a guy who actually sells these things. I'm sure the country he works in is legal. Everything he's doing is completely legal. But I asked him, I was like, hey, how popular are compounds like Mast and Primo now? And he said, like, oh, they're super, super popular. They're at the top of his list now. So what are your thoughts on on this topic? I thought we could dig a little bit deeper into it. All steroid use is drug abuse. Uh, you know, let's get that thing straight for the start. No one's taking these drugs at the doses they were designed for. No one. Um, when they're used for cyclic purposes. So in that, it is inherently unhealthy. Having yeah. said that, there are drugs that pose more risks. Um, and there are drugs that pose more risks in certain factors. So for an argument's sake, like, you look at DECA, DECA from a blood's value point of view isn't overly impacting. But mental health, heart, wall deterioration, things like that, it, it, it is. So, you know, there's always the balance. Uh, and what's very, very true with anabolics is that the more effective it is at growing tissue or supporting tissue growth, uh, the more it's going to cause stress on the body and, and create potential harm. Absolutely. Now, out of all the steroids, Primo is the most sophisticated of them all. Um, it's one of the later developed ones. It is a very technical drug. And I'm going to steal Broderick's explanation here because I think it works very well. If you think about a, a, a steroid attaching to the receptor as a multi-pronged plug, or multi-pin plug sort of thing you get in the back of your computer. Um, so it attaches in, and you've got all these different signals going in via the receptor, and that's why that anabolic affects so many different areas. Um, with Primo, a few of those pins are cut short. So as a result, their impact in those areas is less dramatic. With Primo, one of the things being is prostate you do not get as much prostate enlargement off 
Primo. Hmm. It's one of the key elements in its development was that it was going to be relatively prostate friendly, even though it is a DHT. Um, and all the synthetic DHTs technically should be less impacting on DHT sides, but plenty of people suffer with hair loss from mass and still do from Primo as well. But they are designed to be much lower impacting on the negative impacts on health in the body than some of the other drugs out there are. As a result, obviously, Primo is also one of the mildest drugs from a point of view of results. Yeah, It's not to say you can't get results. And then you have this whole argument. So what is more effective? Is taking 300 milligram a Deca safer than taking a gram of Primo? Right, right. Because that's the end result of this is that people move towards Mast and Primo. So they were doing two, three, 400 mega tests and they dose up Mast and Primo. Um, and the doses have got quite high. And it's like, well, you know, I, and I, I don't know the answer. I, I generally haven't seen the blood work to, to comment on it. Is, is, is a gram of Deca presenting, sorry, is a gram of Primo presenting more risk than, than two, 300 mega Deca is? Yeah. And, and is that, also relation-wise to the results as well. Um, what I will say about Primo is the one area where it seems to be very impacting is HDL. Hmm. And and HDL isn't like thick blood where there's an immediate risk factor. Um, it's more of a long-term risk factor. And unfortunately, we won't know with the current trend towards high DHTs and medium to low test. Uh, and it's pretty much every set of bloods I see with anyone running those cycles, their HDL is going to be significantly reduced. Yeah. You, usually around the 50% of bottom limit, sometimes even lower. Are we going to see then a sudden issue with plaque and arterial narrowing in about five to 10 years time? We may do, we may not. Um, I genuinely don't know if there's going to be that impact long term. Um, but yeah, I mean, milligram for milligram it's less impacting on your health markers than pretty much any anabolic, probably Proviron, because Proviron is technically an anabolic. Without, like, the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's an anabolic, but it's not, it doesn't get you bigger. Well, it, it's, met, it's met, uh, metabolized in, in muscle tissue. That's, that's why it doesn't have an anabolic action at the muscle receptor. Um, we got a question yeah, here about this. It ties right in. So Jamie had asked us, but he says, because you said all steroids uh, are going to be you know, unhealthy when we cycle them. He said, I thought SIP and anathe were very safe. Take a gram of it for six years and then tell me. Yeah, like Tylenol is also very safe, right? You know, if you use it as directed and keep it at a minimum, but, you know. They, the thing around testosterone is, Testosterone is a hormone that our body recognizes. It's a hormone that our body knows, and it's a hormone that our body has processes to deal with. Yeah. The issue is down to dose. Um, and there's that old saying that the difference between a medicine and a poison is dose. Yeah. And that's very true of all anabolics, but particularly testosterone. Up to a certain level, it can actually be quite positive, and that level can vary slightly from person to person. But beyond that, it starts to create issues, which is why if you are on TRT, particularly UK, I'm not sure what it's like USA, mm -hmm. um, your initial year, you're going to blood test every three months because they are looking at the health markers that get affected by testosterone 
uh, because they have a never impact on long-term health. And this is the TRT dose. So yeah, same here. We, they, they do that sometimes even more frequently at yeah. first. And that's where I think a lot of people make a mistake is they, they want to keep cycling, but they go to a doctor and they get TRT and that messes their whole next year up because even if you try to like cycle and come back down and get your levels in range, get your test levels and estrogen levels in range for that blood work, your hematocrit might be through the roof from having cycled. And that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, yeah, they definitely want to try to keep an eye on that stuff here, too. So, um, you know, tests are well tolerated by the body, but I, I wouldn't. I think the terminology, I once used the terminology as safer on steroids, and I got my ass under to me. <laughs> Did you? By, by a gentleman called Jim McVeigh, who at the time was a doctor and is now a professor. Okay. Of steroids, effectively. Well, it's uh, substance misuse, a professor of substance misuse at Manchester University. I do okay. quite a lot with Jim, Jim these days. But we uh, and, and he he uh, he went to great lengths to be pissed at me for using the terminology <laughs> safe within steroids. <laughs> yeah, he's happy for minimal risk or mismanagement and this sort of stuff. But he says you can't really use that word around steroids. Uh, and, and like I say, you know, even in TRT, there are a load of cautionary markers that must be monitored. So you know, most of us. I mean, a fucking fair percentage of people that even do self-prescribed TRT run at 50% above where they should be, at least. I'd agree with that, yeah. You know, the old Miller, Miller Wheat Brigade. There's a, It's interesting. I just realized we had another question that tied right into this. So before we got to our listener questions, I'd pull this one up, too. Although this is a listener question, technically. He said, I, I don't get the whole Primo craze. I get more effect from 50 to 100 milligrams of mint per week compared to 400 to 500 milligrams of Primo. And I would dare to say that at that dose effect relationship is a better trade-off from a health perspective. Could very well be. Could very well be. It's just difficult to quantify. Yeah. Um, I mean, I said I just haven't seen... I'm seeing data from a blood's point of view, but I've not seen how that's carrying over into actual health concerns um, yet. I mean, we've only been on a primo craze for probably 12, 18 months, so give it a while. Yeah. Um, there's a few trends that I don't quite understand with anabolics. Um, I mean, here's the other argument. Say you do a primo cycle and you can gain 8 to 10 pounds per cycle. And this is a bit throwing it out there. I get this is a bit unrealistic, but you do a Deca cycle and you can gain 15 pounds per cycle. Okay. So for every three Primo, you do two Deca. <laughs> Maybe you're going to, yeah. Are you going to achieve your goals with less drug exposure? Going that route. So the, you know, there's all sorts of factors in this that don't make it that clear cut. But on the surface of it, on paper, health impacts from Primo are the mildest of pretty much all steroids. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would say that the, the big take-home thing that I think I, I keep repeating on the shows is that there is, there. we always want to look at things in such a black and white way. We look at, if Primo is the healthiest steroid, then Tren has to be the worst, least healthy steroid or the worst I, for I, you. I, but, I but, would pretty much agree with that anyway. To I would, but but then what about in the dosing? You know, like we're talking about, like this guy who's using ment 
50 milligrams of mint, is that going to be worse for you than, say, 500, 600 Primo per week? I, 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 I don't know. I think the different with Tren is, is, is the action it has within its binding to receptors. It is probably the worst anabolic for, for attaching to receptors it has no business attaching to. Okay, yeah. Um, and I think, in part, that's where, where a lot of Tren's issues come from is the fact that it can bind to all these different receptors, whereas stuff like Primo and Mast are a bit limited to what they can. I mean, yes, they can bind to other things than the AR. Um, I mean, we know they, they bind to aromatase for a start, which is why they have an anti-estrogen effect. Yeah. But, uh, and they bind to 5-alpha reductase, which is why you get more free tests and an increased lowering of SHPG. But at the same time, um, their neurochemical imprint is nowhere near as broad spectrum as Trent. And and I think that's, I suppose if you could liken it to that Trent is a bit of a fucking shotgun where um, Primo is more of a sniper rifle. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I experimented with Trent early on at a high dose. Like I just, I looked at the message boards, I understood everything, understood all the precautions you wanted to take with Trend. And when I used it the first time I ran, at the time it was only dosed at 75 milligrams per milliliter. Remember that? They didn't used to have the 100. And I ran 100 probe with 75 Trend every other day. I got wicked side effects, terrible sleep, you know, affected my mood, all of that. And the next time I ran it, I started very low and I started at like 25 milligrams every other day. And I hardly even felt it. And I slowly built up and I realized I could get a lot more you know, out of a lot less. Ooh, but there, I will jump in with this. This is something I think you probably have something to speak on. Chase Iron said, uh, where do you guys think the recent Primo craze came from? And we talked a little bit off air about this and you had mentioned, you're like, I think I personally, I can tell you this, that, okay. So when I first started bodybuilding podcast in 2015, everybody was talking about multigram cycles and how can I get the best results period health was not a concern. Now the people who were telling you, hey, I'm doing three cc's every shot, a lot of people have suffered health issues. You know, some of them are not long any longer with us, you know, rest in peace to people like Boston Lloyd, who was an early proponent of like mass dosages. I think people are scared. And I personally think, you know, people are looking for, you know, how can I do this healthier, still reach my goals, you know? I, I think... I think some of it is definitely driven by fear and a lot of people feel there's been a surge of fatalities within in users. Yeah. That that could be argued. Uh, there's always been fatalities in users. It's just that it's not always been front and center from a media point of view. Also, bodybuilder is very bodybuilding and particularly drug usage is very sheep like. In that you get the right people promoting the right things and all of a sudden everybody's doing it um jp had huge influence on the way people train with push pull legs absolutely every fucker was doing it dorian huge influence on people doing it because people look at their achievements mm -hmm. and start to dissect what they do and then go well they're there because of this so if i do that i will be there and it's just not the case um, very rare are top level guys or even top level amateurs completely open and honest about their drug use. Um, because it's not in their benefit. It doesn't benefit them to be so. Hmm. Um, so, uh, 
even now when we have a much more open conversation about steroids and their effects and what we do and everything else, people are still reluctant to be completely honest and open. Yeah. I, I'm not going to go down any names of people that I know have lied about stuff and covered things up, but it, it's more common than I think people realize. Uh, you'd be surprised, man. I think that our audience is pretty suspicious when we've had anybody on, even if they're a really gifted pro and they tell us, you know, they're using low doses. We usually have at least a handful of people that are like, I call bullshit on this guy. You know, um, there I is mean, I, do, I know some pros that do use fucking low doses. I do as well. Um, yeah. And I mean, I know, like we mentioned Luke earlier on, I know Luke for the last couple of years of his, his cycling, he was about 1.5 grams. Okay. And Which for his level, you know, there's fuck all. There's guys trying to get to the national level, trying to win their state show that are taking more than 1.5 grams. There's men's physiques fucking competitors <laughs> taking more than 1.5 grams. Yeah. yeah. You know, so um, there is those that do, but there are points in their careers where they've used high doses. And I think everybody goes through that because it's that experience and learning thing. Yeah, and just if one gets me this, what does two get me? If two gets me this, what does three, four, five get me? You know, and and there have been people in the past that have promoted those level of doses as well. Yeah, uh, and people have gone, oh well, he's all right. Well, he might have been then. He's fucking not now. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I think I think some of the primo is off the back of health scares. I think some of the primo is is a trend. Uh, we we had this move perpetuated by a lot of people that AIs were the devil. Don't use AIs under any circumstances. Well, if you're not going to use AIs, you you really have to look at a compound and you, you have to rethink your mass- cycle. Yeah, well, you're going to mass and primo, are you? Because they're the anti-estrogen compounds that you're going to go to. Um, you know, so there's all these trends that start. There was, and also studies, clinical studies have an impact as well. There was a study came out a, a few years ago now about uh, IGF-1 being lowered from Novadex. Oh, yeah. And everyone's like, I'm fucking not using Novadex. It's yeah. like, it's in a fucking natty old woman, you know? It's not going to fucking have a huge impact on you when you're full of gear, you fucking idiot. Yeah. yeah. But but people don't understand it. They read the summaries or they, they just listen to the person who is promoting it that doesn't understand it. And there's plenty of people, you know, I've... I, I've made mistakes. I've misunderstood studies. I've got data wrong or the study's been incorrect and I haven't applied enough knowledge to know different. And I've, I've said stuff about things that's turned out to be wrong years later or, or different years later. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 knowledge is an evolving thing around this sport. And what we know this week will probably be different next week and different next year and different two, three years down the line. I'm actually going to a conference on December the 1st. Oh, yeah? Um, and this is, I'm, I'm speaking at this conference and it is quite literally the scientific community in the UK asking me that deal with sterile research, asking me, what do we need to look at? What is going to benefit users? Huh? Interesting. Um, now there's all sorts of limitations play into this. Okay. But, I mean, one thing I want to try and get them to look at is the time delay from test level to estrogen level. Because you see a lot of guys that will have relatively low tests, high estrogen, and they're jumping on AIs thinking they need to get their estrogen down when, in fact, it's reflective of a level weeks past. And if they just wait out another week, it's going to drop down on its own course. So 
I, I want to try and get a more definitive answer of what the lag relay is from an elevated test level to an elevated issue level. Hmm. Um, it's not the greatest bit of data, but I've, you've also got to think about costs, ethics. Are they even going to be able to do the study? Yeah. Because all that factors into this. So um, that's something I want to try and push and see if they can get them to look at it. So you're talking about like but, estrogen clearance. Well, estrogen conversion, really. Lag of time, lag of estrogen conversion. See, I currently think it's about two weeks. What do you mean by conversion? So if you had a test level of 300, Meg, sorry, if you had a test level of, sorry, let's do American. If you had a test level of 1,700. Okay. So real high. How long would that take to have the reflection of that in your estrogen levels? Oh, I see. I see. It looks like it's about two weeks behind. Okay. So what you get is guys come off cycle, test level drops. So test is back down to say 750. Mm -hmm. But their estrogen level is still through the roof because it's reflecting the 15, 1700 they were two weeks ago. I've always felt too that there's an element of of the 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 balance that you you may it's it's as that test gets a lot lower that the estrogen and that's something I think Victoria could speak on that the, the, the as the testosterone gets lower that estrogen has a different impact than when the test was higher you know what I'm saying yeah but I think it, there is that quite, too it's quite literally like our guys overreacting mm. and taking estrogen management when it's not necessary because it's just a case of the time delay. Yeah. And if they actually sit a week, they shouldn't be down because what, what you'll get is you'll get a guy and I see it all the time. Testosterone level. So I'm going to go back to the UK, um, is 35, 40 and more. So about 1200. Okay. US. But their Eastern level will be double upper range. Okay. And, and so they're like, oh, shit, I've got high estrogen. I'm going to go on a milligram of ADEX every other day. So they start that. And then three weeks later, their estrogen is completely crashed because their test level is stayed low and their estrogen would come down naturally anyway. And now they're oversuppressing their estrogen level. Yeah, it would be it would be a nice thing to have a little bit of a better idea on how that balance worked. It, it's... I've got to think in terms of what's simple, study-wise, what will pass an ethics committee. So you could do that with a sample batch of just using low levels of testosterone. You don't have to use high levels. Yeah. So you, right. can, use 200, you can use 200 milligram and then see the, the, the balloon of the estrogen and then it back down again. And you do that over a wide range of body types and you'll get a reflection of how much body fat percentage plays into it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Well, we are starting to get a little bit off topic here, but I, I think Sorry. that was some good stuff. That's all right. Things always do. But let's move on to our listener questions because we do have a bunch of them. And I will say this too, guys, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, if you want to take part in the next show, then comment below. We'd love to tackle your questions. Plus all that stuff, it helps to boost us in the algorithm. Now, this guy was very careful when I took a screen cap of his question because he said, don't, don't tell people my name. So I think we're good here. He says... Um, Hi, Scott and Dave. Please don't mention my name as I'm a school teacher in New Zealand and is relatively a small place. Thanks for the amazing content. Uh, Dave talked about Rich Piana loading insulin and GH for expos and gained 25 pounds. 
I know this weight gain is proportional to his muscle mass, but I have just done nationals and I have one more show, which will be my last. Um, I would like to come in ridiculously full and not worry about spilling or smoothing out from water. How would I load like rich? Uh, just GH and insulin during the carb loading phase. Load longer, shorter, and heavier load. Uh, split the GH with every meat. He's giving just basically different protocol ideas. Man, dude, before you answer, Dave, I got to tell him. Filling out for an expo is a very different thing than filling out for stage. You do not want to spill. You There's will a, spill. Yeah. You yeah. without doubt you'll spill. Um, expo size and fullness is is marketing. It's marketing a physique, but you're not going to attain. Very unlikely you will hold any level of show condition doing that. So there's there's no chance you're going to step on stage. 10, 15 pounds heavier in condition. You'll step on stage 10, 15 heavier, a lot fuller and a lot fucking smoother. And a bigger stomach and all that. Like, it's not going to be pretty, man. No, it's not. It's not going to work the way you think. Yeah. Um, Cord insulin help with the carb load? Definitely. But you're only talking low doses, a couple of IU with meals. Um, GH is a funny one. I've always pulled GH out pre-show. I don't know what you do, Scott. Um, it, it, for me, it depends. It depends well, on, on how the person's looking. Some people I will. Some people I won't. If if they look dry as nails, then I'm not going to pull it out, um, especially if they're somebody who tends to go flat, um, and especially if they're using any kind of thyroid. And I've had more people that are prescribed thyroid nowadays. I think they're paying closer to attention to that and that they have a medical need. And even that, though with the like improper nutrition, you could go flat faster. So I, if, if they look like they're, if they need to lose water, then sure we're pulling it out and, and we'd pull it as early as two weeks out. Hmm. Yeah. I usually 10 days, seven, 10 days. So um, don't do it, buddy. No, don't mate. You, you <laughs> will, you, you'll go out with a bang, but not the bang you want. Yes. All right. Um, Hey guys, I'm going to take a brief pause to shout out our advertisers. I'm going to try to make this quick, but keep in mind, they're responsible for helping us to put these shows out. If you guys want to support our programming, of course you can do so through Patreon. And thank you to everybody who supports the show through Patreon. I will have links to that below, as well as to all of our advertisers. If you shop with our advertisers, you'll get great products, products that I stand behind, and you'll also be supporting our programming. First of all, check out truenutrition.com if you're in the U.S. I use their hydrolyzed beef collagen every day, and I use their citrulline malate, beta alanine, and EAA on days that I train. They have high-quality protein powders and tons of flavors. Hit me up if you have any questions. Use our code THINK over there. You'll get some additional savings, plus you'll support our programming, and you'll get some high-quality third-party tested supplements. If you're in Canada, check out supplementsource.ca. They have blowout deals on top name brand supplements. Uh, they constantly have different things happening. So be sure to go to their site and check them out. I recently saw Carbolin for like 30 bucks off. I mean, you really can't beat those prices. Plus they have free shipping over $99. If you're in the UK, then you probably already know about Strom Sports. They're one of the leader in health supplements in the United Kingdom. Strom Sports Nutrition has standalone supplements like NAC and Tutka, and they have finished blends like Support Max, a high quality, well-priced on-cycle support stat. I have links below to everything. Thanks for watching. Thanks for your support. Another question, please. How does Clen affect blood work? Not majorly. Um, 
mainly with information markers, stuff like CRP. You can see elevation in CRP with Clen, mm. um, which is C-reactive protein, which effectively, in layman's terms, shows if the heart's stressed. Um, but And even when it does, the elevation is minor and not particularly dramatic. I mean, if you're real well, you can see CRP in the 30s and 40s. Um, elevated CRP above four, I think it is sustained as a concern, but temporary elevations up to uh, even to be honest, a really intense work, not very often, but it is possible to elevate CRP from heart training as well. Um, but I don't see it very often to be honest. So either nobody trains hard anymore, or it's just not as uh, much of a problem as they try to make out. But, um, yeah, I mean, mainly that's where I see issues from Klein is around inflammation markers. Um, you can see a little bit more CK. Uh, and bear in mind, CK is not just so. CK is creatinine kinesis. I always get this wrong. I think it's, if Scott's in, he can probably chime in. I think it's MM, MB, and something else. Three different types. Okay. One from muscle, one from muscle, one from heart, one from brain. Um, generally, people's CK levels are elevated if they train, and if they've trained within three days of a, a test, it will be elevated. Yeah. Um, also, high levels of muscle mass will increase CK levels as well. But heart stress will increase CK too. The problem is we the standard testing does not differentiate from the three types. Hmm. So unless you actually know your heart's being stressed, there's not much point take paying that much attention to CK. Generally, we work on roughly around a thousand, give or take a couple of hundred, as a threshold for people who train. Generally, with pros, you'll see it in the three thousand to four thousand range, and that's purely because of the huge amount of muscle mass they carry over the average person. Yeah, but if someone's not that built and they're presenting seventeen hundred, two thousand, I'll normally have a discussion about look, you look like you're quite inflamed here, and it might be worth looking at some anti-inflammatory supplementation like turmeric could come in or glutathione or something of that nature just to get those information levels a little bit down um or something like high dose vitamin c and antioxidant of that nature just just something to give your system a bit of a break and the first thing to do is would be my thought would be if you were concerned stop training for a few days and retest right yeah but i mean really all you're going to indicate there is that ck levels have come down yeah. Um, if you're talking CRP, then yes, definitely. That'll be a much more immediate and accurate result. Okay. But I mean, someone has a hard flu. Um, I'm oh. not COVID, just, just a bad flu. Yeah. They'll see their CRP in the 40s quite easily. Okay. What about kind of related question? Um, I get this one a lot. What about drug testing? Because uh, I see people all the time, they have to drug test for work or they get a promotion and they have to do a physical and they're concerned that they're going to test positive for something because they've been on cycle. Maybe they're even running Clen. So Clen, I'll put to one side. I'll deal with that in a moment. With most employment drug testing, they do not test for anabolics. There are some that do but your employer has to have a drug policy of their testing and it has to be clearly marked what they look for. Yeah. When you do a drug test, you don't do a test and it goes, this person is on X, Y, Z. Yeah. When you do a test, you have to do the test that looks for those individual drugs. 
So the more drugs you want to test for, the more expensive the testing becomes. So as a result, unless there's a particular cause for it in the job that you do, most jobs stick to recreational drugs because they're the ones that pose a risk to others around you and your ability to perform your job. I do remember an aviation company starting to test for steroids really? because they found a syringe and needle in the changing rooms. Dang. And so that was a more of a political move because there was no cause for steroids to really have any effect on those staff being able to do their job. Yeah. But obviously that's a safety critical role. They're dealing with things that could endanger hundreds of people's lives. And so as a result, they need to make sure you're on your game. And so their general testing was stuff like, you know, cocaine, marijuana, heroin, LSD. And and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. So if you are going to experience drug testing at work, the first thing is to speak to HR and say, right, what are you testing me for? Yeah, I think sometimes people don't want to do that. They, well, you know, then you, they search the company's drug policy because it will be yeah, in there somewhere. Absolutely. Um, now, Clem. Clem can. It's not super common, but it has been known to happen. Clem can show as ephedrine. It can show as amphetamine. I've seen I've seen ephedrine show, or I haven't seen it happen. I haven't in like real world. I haven't seen it happen, but I've heard ephedrine can show as amphetamine. But I didn't hear yes, Clem could. Yes, yeah, so Clen is a pseudoephedrine. No. So it can it can show as it can show as ephedrine or it, as amphetamine, depending on how sophisticated the test is they're doing. Okay. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. Yeah, certain, I might so I might debate the, that. I might dispute that one. But I I'll, I'll take I'll, your word for it for now. <laughs> I'll dig it I'll dig it out. Okay. Um uh, but yeah, I'm I'm sure I'll dig it out. It was on the list as uh Clen, Clen showing up as a, a pseudoephedrine in certain blood testing for okay. um, recreational drugs. I've done, I've used, I've had to do many employment tests. Uh, we had random testing, and I remember my bosses actually being concerned as a competitive bodybuilder, and they're like, uh, so we have this random testing, and you were selected, Scott, you have to go to the clinic, and you're, you'll be all right, right? Like you're going to be, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm good, because they didn't want to lose me, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a lot of it as well. Is is the more expensive, the more sophisticated the test, the more accurate it's going to be. Yeah. The cheaper the test, the more likely you are to get false positives. Mm, that makes sense. So they have like I've seen six panel, seven panel, mm-hmm. nine panel, twelve panel. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're at twelve panels, you're not going to have anything to worry about. Fact, yeah. So let's say it, it all depends on what the company's looking for. Let's see, 12-panel drug test. What do we have here? Uh, All right, there's a picture of a little cup. Uh, What do these things test for? I'm going to bring up a list here, Dave. Oh, no, it's it's not a list. I thought I was going to find, like, oh, here we go. Here is the list of a standard 12-panel test. Here we go. So we're looking at, you see that, Dave? Amphetamine, mm-hmm. cocaine, marijuana, THC, PCP. Who does PCP anymore? <laughs> so methamphetamine is different than amphetamine, huh? Yes, it is methylated. Oh, barbiturates, well, benzodiazepines. Much, much, much harsher drugs is methamphetamine. 
buprenorphine, methadone, oxycontin morphine, and ecstasy. I don't see anywhere, I don't see DECA on that list whatsoever. So guys, you are safe if you're using DECA or Trend. Are you looking something up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking up for you to see if I could see anything. Did and you find it? I can't. No. no, I didn't. So I might be wrong on that. I, if I am, I apologize. There is a huge list of false amphetamine uh, triggers. Though. Even like over-the-counter stuff, you know? Yeah. And hey, if, if you ever do get popped for something, just tell them you took a supplement. That's all you got to do. Be like, oh, I didn't know. I used this pre-workout that I ordered online. A- including naproxen and ibuprofen. As really? False positives. Yeah. No kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right, what else do we have here? Let's see here. Uh, there's our Clen question. Um, ditto head. Come on, bro. Bro, he must not have watched our shows. He says, question of the next show. What are your thoughts on glucose disposal agents? Thank you. How many times have we talked about GDAs, Dave? I mean, it's not like our main topic. It's not like we haven't talked about GDAs as much as we've talked about trend. Let's be honest, but <laughs> we've talked about... GDAs a couple times. Uh, maybe once or twice. If you were to pick one GDA, you only have one, what would it be? As in brand or as in just a, like, a product? Yeah, just a product, like one, one well, compound. I, I, re- I really like berberine. Me too. Uh, I always have done, and I, I find it in general is well tolerated. Not everybody can get on with it. Some people get stomach upset. Mm. But I also like low dose every meal rather than a large single dose daily. So what's a low dose every meal? Like the low dose wise for you? 200, 250 meg. Okay. We get it a lot of times in higher doses per pill, but I like that idea too. Yeah, I find it works quite well. It's subtle. It's not super dramatic, but if you're coming off, uh, particularly if you're coming off a cut or you're coming off um, uh, almost a priming scenario. So I like to put people, I like to put people on keto yes. or a low-carb approach for a few weeks, then drop the GDA, then bring the carbs back in yeah, um, and build off that. And from that situation, that low dose seems to partner up really, really well with that sort of pre-approach to get things sensitive and then move on. Yeah, I think you nail something too. Um, drop the carbs, you know? If you want to become more insulin sensitive, reduce your carbs. Cardi- cardio. Yes. Fats and sugars combined. You're saying to okay. lower the the spike? Well, yeah, just if, if you're going to consume sugars or going to consume fats, try and separate them rather than have fats and sugars to combine. Oh, I that, see. I see. That has a bigger, bigger impact than just one of them on their own. Okay. Um, squash. Man, you can get like a big old plate of squash and it's like 11 carbs. You know what I'm saying? Dust. Dust? Just eat dust? Just eat dust. All right. Um, <coughs> let's see. Troy says, a uh, question for the next podcast, guys. Is Sustanon 250 okay to use in a test trend mass cutting cycle? Some people say it's for bulking and to use a test E. Others say test is test. Just need to pin Sustanon more often. The mast will be a nethate, and the trend is a blend of 80 ACE and 80 trend E. 40 trend hacks. Wow, some strong ass trend. Uh, I'm thinking Monday 
Thursday shots will be okay. Uh, adjusting doses accordingly. Thanks. So it's fine. It's yeah. like almost saying, you know, can I eat chicken diet in because I eat it off season? It's fine. Yeah, I would agree. What do you think about that that shot protocol Monday Thursday? I mean, I mean that's been around since the dawn of fucking time. Is the the th- the Monday Thursday split? Um, I still use it for my TRT today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, some people go Tuesday Friday because of whatever reason about injecting or whatever. But so, yeah, I've always used Monday Thursday. Um, I, it's just. It, it works, it's simple, and it doesn't need to be any more complex than that. I mean, depending on Esther's, you know, every other day or even every day if you're trying to have to get a large volume of drug in. Yeah. I mean, my, my injection and frequency increased massively when I was doing high doses, not because I needed to, because it was just the easiest way to get the volume of drug in. Yeah. Yeah, you can only take so much at once. And I just, I mean, by the time I finished, I was just so sick of fucking injecting. All right, this guy's on TRT. He says, um, my total test is 263. And my doctor just prescribed testosterone sipinate, 200 milligrams every two weeks. I'm worried about testicular shrinkage and gynecomastia. Uh, should I be taking something like Clomid or anastrozole uh, with TRT? Uh, or is there no need for them? Thank you. Um on that dose, no, I would definitely not be taking Clomid or Adex. The other thing is, so you're going to get testicular shrinkage to an extent because you're on TRT. That is unavoidable. You could run HCG. Um, you would have to also look at your overall estrogen levels with HCG in the mix to see if they became to a point where you needed management. I suspect they wouldn't, uh, but it does depend on body fat levels and how particularly sensitive you are as an individual. Now, with regards to gyno, gyno does not happen overnight. Thank you. Okay. You're not going to go to bed, get high estrogen in the night and wake up with gyno. You will get sensitivity. You will get itchiness. You will then get swelling. And if you still continue to ignore all that, then you will get the formation of tissue. And that process takes several weeks. So you don't have to be concerned about gyno in that sense because you will get warning signs and then you can test, check, and adjust accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're getting TRT from your doctor. So there, you know, you could talk to your doctor about that stuff too. Well, I mean, he's, he's has a responsibility of management anyway. Right. So, right. But, at 200 mig, you the 200 mig test sip is a, I find a bit of a weird protocol because you're going to get quite a big peak day two, yeah, and um, and that's probably going to put you well once you're into it. I mean, it'll take a little bit to build up, but once you're into it, that's probably going to put you around the 14, 1200 mark, somewhere around the 1200 mark. Yeah, would you say that for a 200 mig shot about 1200? It'd be high. I don't. I'm not then, sure exactly, but it would be high at then, first. <laughs> Yeah, and then it's going to drop down and drop down and drop down. And by the end of the two weeks, you're probably going to be not too far off where you are now. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know if, 500. I don't know if they do that all the time in the UK, but that's like an old procedure here. Like my family doctor they, would have you take, you know, 200 per two weeks. But nowadays we split that up a lot more. And, you know, if you go to a NHS provider, you will get three options. 
Joe Sust or blah, 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 Nibido. Ooh. So gel is obviously daily daily application. Sust starts at one mil every three weeks. So <laughs> one mil, two, 250 mil every three weeks. And inevitably for most people will end up being one mil every two weeks. I have not recalled NHS patient being more frequent than that. But to be honest, in TRT that I run, I've not seen a patient needing more frequent than that either. Yeah. Uh, and then Nibido starts at one every 12. It usually ends up being one every 10. But I do know people that have to try and argue to push it to one every eight. Um, you only get single esters and multi-shot protocols in the private sector. And the reason being, a vial of Sustanon from the pharmacist is about £4.50. Okay. For one mil, 250 milligrams sust, pharma is about £4.50. Is that like, what, nine bucks, nine dollars? No. No, it would be like six fifty. Six six fifty-seven. yeah. Yeah. A vial of test nth or test sip, one mil, UK manufactured, and that's the key element here, UK manufactured, is around 90 quid. What? Give me the sust all day. So that's why the NHS don't prescribe test and sip. Oh. The TRT clinics, they get it from Europe. They don't get UK manufactured. They buy in European manufacture. Um, and again, then it's about £3, £4, £4.50 a vial. And that's where the private clinics get it from. Okay. All right, we got a couple more here. Um, hey guys, love the show. Please do a video on cycling with higher body fat. What drugs would be suited? What drugs to avoid? Please, thanks, guys. Well, uh, the main thing you're going to look for is the fact that you're going to aromatize much more than the average person. So, though you would still potentially use test as a base, you're going to favor cycles that are lower test and then higher either DHT or you could go probably as far as Decker as well. Um, so that's, that's where you're going to be at. You, you want, you, you, you know, D bowl is not going to be a drug for you because the, the potential estrogen is going to be horrendous and it will be difficult to manage. It'll be a mess. But Don't do it. From a point of view of experience, it all depends on where you're sitting, but say your experience is around a gram cycle, you could comfortably go, 300 tests, 350 tests, and start the rest with Mast and Primo or Mast or even Deca. Yeah. Uh, and have quite a productive cycle off the back of that with not too much estrogen management required. The danger with going the Mast route on that is that you may actually have estrogen too low for growth and it mm. might actually stint your progress a little bit. So it still needs to be managed. Um, but yeah, you're, just, you're looking at lower test bases and then loading up with either non aromatizers or low aromatizers. I can say that, so I, I'm, if his body fat is higher, my first thought would be that I'm not going to, I would tell him like, listen, if we wanted to work together, because I've had this happen where somebody's like, hey, what's up? I, you know, I decided I really want to hire a coach. You're the guy for me. Um, and I want to grow as much muscle as I can. And if somebody comes to me and their body fat is high, then I usually have to tell them, well, listen, I'm happy to do that, but we want to work on getting you lean, you know, and I don't think you need a lot of gear to get somebody lean, uh, especially like a great situation would be like, let's say he's already running like some TRT in the background. I might just have him stay in that for a while. And heck, if we wanted to, we could even like cycle in a fat burner for a little while too. 
and and work on trying to get that body fat under control. And maybe if it's going to be a long term project, like let's say this guy is three bills and he needs to be 200 to be like in decent lean shape. And I'm not even talking like contest lean, but like lean enough to really start pushing upward. I would say like, you know, maybe somewhere in there, we might run a little bit more, give you a little bit more motivation. But the goal isn't really to to grow at that time. We're still trying to focus on that fat loss. Although I will say in those situations, I'll have people that end up eventually getting to that 200 pounds. But with more like I had a guy who went from like 315 to 199 in one year and we cycled a little bit on and off. And he ended up gaining like 10 pounds of lean tissue in that process. So I would think my thought would be, you don't really want to focus on a bulk. I just wanted to be clear about that. You know? No, no. I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely a genuine argument for say, focus on losing the fat first. And the other thing is fat has androgen receptors. So if you're mm. a fat folk like me, you lose gear in your fat. So the leaner you are, the more responsive you'll be to the anabolics and the less drugs you'll need to use to achieve the same results. Yeah. All right. Let's see if we have time for one more here. Um, we did get a lot of questions. This question was about EAAs. Oh, yeah. So he says, uh, let's see, bring it in the show here. Um, normally, I only take EAAs before my workout at 10 grams added to my pre-workout drink. But what do you think? Uh, uh, but when I'm cutting, I drink 10 grams of EAAs three to four times a day because in my mind, it makes sense that it would be a low calorie way to prevent me from going catabolic. Is that sound uh, logic or am I wasting EAAs? He says it also helps to curb his appetite. Well, I mean, there's a benefit there in, in that. If it helps him maintain his diet, then sure. uh, it's, it's potentially useful. If he's on anabolics, he, he, he doesn't need to worry about going catabolic. Yeah. Um, I personally don't bother with them. You want to have them, you can have them. Um, yeah, I don't think in the real world application there's a huge impact from them. But in his current case... He's saying it helps him stay on diet because it helps curve his appetite. So I don't really see an issue in that either. Yeah, if he's still reaching his goals, right? Yeah, exactly. If you're not having a problem getting to where you want to go condition-wise, then you don't need to throw them out. And if they if they have an added value in that they help you stop fucking cheating, yeah, then you know they're, they're a viable. There's definitely worse things you can be doing in a way of trying to prevent cheating. So you know, rather drink EAs than fucking tins of coke zero or something yeah oh we just had this one in the live feed so i'm going to put it up and sorry guys we didn't get to all the live feed questions this week but i will try to help jamie here since he said he's been watching all show and he says i'm 58 uh quit training for the past four years due to an injury and gotten really fat never been fat in my life five nine two ninety five pounds uh what would you suggest to get this fat off i'm taking trt 200 milligrams of sip per week What can we throw at him? Well, just diet, really. I don't. I don't see there any justification. I mean, end of the day, you can use what drugs you want. You know, it's not my place to tell you you can't do this. You can do what the fuck you want at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, I could walk to the shop, but I don't. I get in the car and drive. Why? Because I have a car and I have a driving license, and I'm a lazy bastard. Um, but. You don't need cutters 
when you're that far above a lean weight. It's just not necessary. Yeah. You know, and anyone that says you need fat burners to be in show competition wants to go to a fucking natural show because them cunts come in shredded more than anybody does. For sure. And there's no drugs there. So you definitely don't need drugs to lose weight and you definitely don't need drugs to get lean. Yes, it makes the process easier. However, even on that point, I would probably still wait until just the normal efforts of being a bit more mobile, restricting your calorie intake, start to stall out and you start finding it difficult, then maybe look to a chemical uh, aid. But as long as you can hack being hungry and you can keep moving, I'd stay at that point until, you know, you reach your goals. If, and if you don't use fat burners to get there, brilliant. If yeah. you do, it's not the end of the world. But let's say save it till you get to a point where you are mentally struggling to continue or get any harsher with your restrictions. I mean, heck, too, I would say 200 milligrams of TRT per week is going to be at the higher end, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm assuming it's monitored and it's, it's, it's where it needs to be and that's the dose he requires. I, I, I don't know. I wonder mean, what his hematocrit's like, like any... Probably not doing like just getting in and doing cardio would help to bring keep that under control and get the fat down and eating healthier. Like the, if he's if he's never been fat in his life and he's two ninety five now, I bet that if the key would be being motivated to change just by cleaning his diet up, he's going to start losing rapidly. You know. I agree. I agree. I apologize for that. I just have to deal with something right quickly. That's all right. We're all done here. Don't, well, don't you start. You've been fucking answering fucking phone calls and all sorts of shit. So you can piss right off. <laughs> I got one call at the beginning of the show. It wasn't my fault. It, it even it said. Was a, it was a time sensitive response, so I had to answer it. I do apologize. I understand. Um, that's what we got, though. We're done. Is it? Oh, right. We're done. Okay. Yeah, we're done. We don't have any more time. I hope that Jamie listens, though. I hope he finds the motivation to, uh, you know. Make some changes. Because at 58, man, it's not getting any easier. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's it, fuck, no, I'm 51, mate. I feel your pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's all we got, guys. We do appreciate you tuning in, as always. And all of the feedback you guys have had for us on the YouTube channel has been freaking awesome. We appreciate the support. If you listen on audio for, like, our iTunes people, do us a favor. Leave us a good five-star review. I didn't realize this, but those reviews help other people to find the show. That's what promotes the program. So if somebody searches bodybuilding, that's how they find us. What What is that, Dave? That's Eval Octopus. Where did you get the Eval Octopus? Eval Octopus came from, hang on, I will, this is what came with Eval Octopus. We've just got quickly time, so I'll deal with it. Yeah. Dear Dave, my name is Eval Octopus. I have come to keep Christmas Cabbage Company. Can I come on the podcast too? <laughs> Romana and Dan arranged for me to be adopted by you as a way of saying thank you for all the fun, food, and mild insults that were occurred at the Arnolds, wow. or whatever his name is now. But also, thank you for welcoming them into the Eval family. Please don't put me in a pin, cupboard, or shredder. Yours, Eval Octopus. Huh, how about that? And Eval Octopus can be happy, or Eval Octopus can be... That looks angry. more like you. That's more your personality right there. Guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, reach out to Dave. Dave, what about uh, Pillars of Strength? What's going on with that? 
I am, uh, yes, starting a new course. So I should be able to squeeze one in between now and Christmas. And I need the money for Christmas presents. So please sign up. Because uh, this podcast makes fuck all money and shit. Uh, How long does that last? It's seven weeks. Seven uh, weeks? About a, yeah, it's about two hours a session. It varies slightly depending on person interaction because they are live. However, they are recorded. You do get the recordings and you also get the slide uh, PDFs. All right. So you don't actually have to attend if you don't want to. There is a WhatsApp chat support group and there's handouts and homework and bits of bouts and shit like that. We did get a comment last week. Somebody said that I should be there cracking jokes in the background. I think I think everybody would agree. If, if these you people should, are paying, should. they should get their money's worth. They need some, you know, I'm humor. trying to attract customers, Scott, <laughs> not lose them. Guys, you, you you handicap the podcast as much as it is already without adding to other elements of things that I do. Guys. You know, I am actually, I am actually gobsmacked at the numbers we get because I just look at it and think there can't be that many mentally ill people in the world that they have to watch this fucking program. <laughs> it really speaks to, you know, the condition <laughs> of our society today, right? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you can go to evalbloodanalysis.com. Get your lab work done by Dave if you're in the United Kingdom. And that includes over in Ireland from time to time. Dave makes a little trip over there, especially for you. Um, what? Uh, how do people reach out to you if they want to do coaching? Uh, easiest way is probably just through social media, Facebook or Instagram. It's probably the simplest way, to be quite honest. Okay. Um, but you could you could message me through the Crossroads website. You could message me through the Eval website because it all comes to me anyway. So right. I will pick it up at some point. You reach out to me, McNally <coughs> Diet, McNally Diets at gmail.com. Hit me up if you're interested in coaching. Um, of course, if you are in the UK, you can go to Strom Sports Nutrition to get all your good health supplements there. We've got some performance stuff too, standalone products, blends. Dave, uh, what would you say? What's a what's a product we could feature today from Strom? I always talk about Support Max. So what's what's well, so another good compound or product? I, I I had a very small hand in Support Max, and it was a very small hand, to be fair. Um, I well, think I suggest I suggested one 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 and one additional ingredient and a change in a dose or something. Well, what uh, else? Get, let's throw another one at everybody. They they do. They do. I didn't mean it like that, actually. Sorry, that came across really weird, didn't it? I didn't mean to self-promote in that sense. Really? Uh, they do a lot of unique products. The reason I was talking about Support Max is because it was very unique at the time. It was probably the first real product that Rick was really good with that. It was the first real product that aimed at anabolic users, and he's continued in that vein. Yeah. So Support Max Euro, very, very good product for mental health. Um, especially for high cortisol, anxiety, things like that. Uh, Thrombomax, excellent product for blood thinning. Huh. Um, that's also very good. I know he's brought out a series of, uh, or a couple of health products recently that aren't anything particularly amazing in the formulation point of view, but they're just good quality. Kaolic garlic is the one he's just brought out, which I, believe, I mean, there's, there's 30, 40 years of studies on that shit. You know, garlic's well known to have health benefits for decades well listen if anybody um, of our out of our listeners and viewers anybody who has experience because supplements like this they can directly change your labs i want to know so please comment let us know what your experiences have been with strom sports nutrition and of course go to truenutrition.com if you're in the u.s 
use our code think you get a lot of additional savings uh, plus they have some of the best supplements that i've ever used i've used uh, true nutrition long before they sponsored any of the podcasting and i've suggested them to my clients too even when like it didn't it didn't mean anything to me you know financially or anything they didn't advertise with us i've always been a big fan of them and if you're in canada check out supplementsource.ca why because i am a huge fan of getting good deals i've seen pre-workouts there like so a blowout deal dave is like they will have a supplement where the label is changed obviously still same product it just doesn't have a new fancy label on it and then they want to close it all out so they're like here you can have this for 10 bucks no what i mean is where the term blowout comes from you know what's what's the association of the terminology blowout within a sale that's was my question not not what it meant in i know it means sale and good prices i just where did the term blowout slashing prices for halloween yeah, well, that's cutting prices. So you get that. You get the the history of that one. You know, we've cut the price. Cutting the price. the price. Yeah. We're, I think they're going to, like, blow them, out, blow them off the shelf. You know, these things are going to blow off the shelf. They're such priced so well. Someone, someone in the comments suggested it had something to do with cars. Cars? I don't see that. Yeah. Something about, uh, I'm sure I, right early on it was something about um, starting old cars or something. Huh. Blow um, out. Uh, I don't know. The blowout is like kickstarting. Sorry, that was what I was thinking. Oh, that was Chase Irons. The blowout. Oh, is, is like it right? It was. It, it was a question. I thought it was a statement. I apologize. Yeah, blowing out the carburetor. I guess. Mm. No, I don't know. I just wondered why, uh, where the terminology blowout came from. What was the background to it? That was. All. No, I'm kidding. All right. It was well, actually actually an intelligent question. It wasn't me just being a prick like I usually am. Well, maybe we should find that out. Or if you guys find it out, comment below. Let us know. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We will be back next week for another episode of Drugs and Stuff with David Stanley Crossland, Christmas Cabbage, the Evil Octopus, and me, Scott McNally. <laughs> we'll see you soon. <laughs>